It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Monday, April 4th. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. Tonight on the California Report, Saul Gonzalez takes us to the state capitol, trying to find answers to questions over Sunday's mass shooting. What's to come in the wake of Sacramento's deadliest mass shooting on record? Then in National Native News, the Navajo Nation considers repealing its 20-year-old ban on same-sex marriage. And Sierra Gold Parks Foundation board member Sid Brown stops by after updates on local news and weather. Stay tuned for what not to miss in Nevada County State Parks this spring. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez reporting today from downtown Sacramento, where the largest mass shooting in this city's history happened early Sunday morning. Here's what we know. Six people were killed and 12 injured in the incident. The fatalities included three men and three women. The shooting happened around 2 a.m. Sunday morning in this downtown business district, not far from the state capitol building, a district filled with bars and restaurants which were closing for the night. The Sacramento police have made no arrests and say they are looking for more than one suspect. Authorities are also asking for the public's help in identifying the perpetrators. Downtown streets that were closed to traffic and pedestrians have now been reopened, and mass transit is once again running through the area. This mass shooting was notable for the symbolism of where it happened, literally just down the street from the state capitol building, where legislators have passed some of the toughest gun control measures in the country in recent years. I talked about that yesterday with Democratic Assemblymember Kevin McCarty, who represents the district where this mass shooting occurred. He said he was still processing just how surreal it was to have an eruption of such violence in the state capitol. Well, it's surreal for a few reasons. One, I'm a lifelong Sacramentan. This is my assembly district. This is my home. This is my downtown. This happened just outside of my district office. I literally drove by and I saw families waiting to hear news on their loved one sitting under my sign that says Assemblymember Kevin McCarty. And what about the fact that this happened almost at the front door of the state capitol building where you work, where a lot of other legislators work who have passed some very tough gun control laws in recent years, and you've been part of that. Where do you go from here with gun control legislation? Yeah, I mean, it is surreal. If you look out, the balcony where we debate laws and we debate laws on, on gun issues this week. You can literally look out the balcony and see the crime scene. So explain to Californians, we have so many tough gun laws on the books already. How could this have happened in a state where the gun laws are so strict? We are not Texas. We are not so many other places in the country that are so permissive when it comes to firearms. Well, first of all, we don't know what happened here. We don't know what type of firearm was used, whether it was an automatic rifle, whether whether it was purchased illegally, what the facts are. So we need to gather the facts, which we're doing. But we do know that, yeah, we do have smart gun laws and our safe is uh, safe for the other states without smart gun laws. But there are a bunch of loopholes. You know, if you really want a firearm and you want to traffic illegal firearms, you could drive 100 or so miles to the east of here, go to Nevada and show up at a gun show where they don't have background checks. They don't have these type of laws. Uh, you can go on the internet and buy these parts to manufacture and make your own um, automatic type weapon with these ghost gun parts. And we have stepped up, but I think there are still some, some issues to address. Some people still slip through the cracks and we need to continue our work. 
Do you think there's a lot of room left to pass even more tough gun control legislation here in California? So I think what we need are are smart uh, national gun laws. And I know it's very frustrating. Our, Our nation has way more gun violence than any other nation by far, as we know. And, you know, we, we, we can't think of this as a normal. We, we just need to, you know, be, be reminded that our work is not done. And unfortunately, this is a reminder right here in our backyard and literally in my backyard. All right. Assemblyman Kevin McCarthy of Sacramento, thank you so much for joining us on the California Report. Thank you. Support for the California Report comes from the California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just healthcare system on the web at chcf.org slash health-equity. The James Irvine Foundation, accepting nominations now for the 2023 James Irvine Foundation Leadership Awards at irvineawards.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. The violence that occurred in Sacramento happened in a part of the city that has struggled for years to attract visitors and new commercial life. That was made much tougher by the closure of downtown businesses during the worst months of the pandemic, and now, of course, a mass shooting. Yesterday, I talked about the challenges facing downtown in the wake of the shooting with Sacramento's mayor, Daryl Steinberg. Violence is random. Um, It could happen anytime, anywhere. But people ought to come downtown. You look at the last week, we've had three major concerts. Downtown has been full of people having a good and great time. And we want that to continue. And, and you just and, had a mass shooting, Mr. Mayor. I understand, at 2 in the morning. And, I, and, of course, people should take precautions. And we are going to uh, address this, first to arrest the perpetrators, and secondly, to continue to do what we're already doing, which is to enhance the lighting, uh, more security cameras, all of that downtown. But it would be a mistake for uh, everyone to retreat and say, we're not going to uh, go out to eat, we're not going to go to the Kings game, we're not going to go to the concert. And will the city of Sacramento and authorities do everything possible to just keep people safe who are going about their lives in downtown Sacramento? Obviously, we will do that. And we're already doing that. We just put $8 million into what we call clean and safe, mostly for the downtown area. Um, And it's in the process of being implemented, including more security cameras, more lighting. Uh, We do have more security downtown. We do have more outreach workers to intervene with the youth when a fight starts. We're doing all that, and we need to do more of it. Again, that was Sacramento Mayor Daryl Steinberg. The Golden State Warriors played the Sacramento Kings in Sacramento last night, just blocks away from where the shooting took place. Players held a moment of silence before starting the game for the victims and their families. Warriors head coach Steve Kerr said it would be his ninth or tenth time attending a moment of silence in response to shooting as head coach. He called on the government to act. At some point, our government has to decide Um, Are we going to have some common sense gun laws? It's not going to solve everything, but it will save lives. Kerr declined to even discuss basketball at the pregame press conference, saying he didn't feel it was appropriate. And that's the California Report for today, Monday, April 4th. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. Reporting from downtown Sacramento, I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks for listening and have a good day.
tonight in National Native News, the Navajo Nation looks at their two decades old decision to ban gay marriage. Discussion over repealing that legislation is underway. And a new bill in Washington state has created an alert system for missing Indigenous people. The system, similar to the Amber Alert, could serve as a model for other states. This is National Native News. I'm Megan Kamrick in for Antonia Gonzalez. A new bill just signed in Washington state creating an alert system for missing indigenous people could be a model for other states. The Olympian reports the bill signed by Governor Jay Inslee is the first to establish an alert system for missing indigenous people. The bill was introduced by state representative Deborah Lakanoff, the only native person in Washington's legislature, and was created in consultation with area tribes. The bill creates a hotline to take in reports from the public and alerts law enforcement officials and sends out public messages when Indigenous people go missing. The system is similar to the Amber Alert system for children who have been abducted. The Olympian reports State Attorney General Bob Ferguson says other states have already contacted him about implementing similar legislation elsewhere. The Navajo Nation is considering repealing its ban on same-sex marriage. Emma Gibson from the Mountain West News Bureau has more. The Navajo Nation lies within Arizona, Utah, and New Mexico and has approximately 400,000 members. Almost 20 years ago, it banned same-sex marriages. Alray Nelson heads the LGBTQ indigenous advocacy group Navajo Nation Pride. He says the ban has resulted in problems for partners who want to adopt, build a house, have joint health insurance, and more. In order for us to really feel safe in our own communities living on the Navajo Nation, the nation has to open up its doors and send a message to the rest of the country that the largest tribal nation in the United States is inclusive and you're a part of our family. He estimates out of the 574 federally recognized tribes in the U.S., there are about a dozen bands still in place. The proposal will next go to one of the tribal government's committees. That was Emma Gibson from the Mountain West News Bureau. A tribe in Connecticut is supporting a town's continued use of a mascot that includes an arrowhead and a profile of a native man. NBC Connecticut reports the Scaticoke Tribal Nation passed a resolution recently to support the city of Derby using the nickname Red Raiders and the logos as the town tries to retain funding that is jeopardized by its use of the mascot and imagery for local school athletic teams. According to a resolution passed by the Tribal Council, it supports the use of the images as, quote, a public means of sustaining Native American culture and history of Connecticut's first citizens. Under a law passed last year, Connecticut municipalities whose athletic teams use Native American names or mascots must get written support from a state or federally recognized tribe. Failing to do so means possibly losing grants funded by revenue from the state's two tribal casinos. Tribal and federal officials say an agreement to hand over more than 400 acres of land to the Rappahannock tribe in Virginia is a triumph of collaboration among the tribe, the federal government, and private landowners. The agreement returns a portion of the tribe's ancestral homeland along the Rappahannock River. The tribe will manage conservation and management with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. In a statement, Interior Secretary Deborah Holland said the department looks forward to drawing on tribal expertise and indigenous knowledge toward managing the area's wildlife and habitat. The agreement creates a permanent conservation easement that restricts how the sacred land can be used. And new DNA evidence has confirmed what a tribe in California has always maintained, that it is not extinct. USA Today reports an anthropologist wrote in 1925 that the Muekma Olon tribe from the San Francisco Bay Area was, quote, extinct for all practical purposes. 
But the tribe has always disputed that claim, and now living Olone tribal members have found a DNA link to their ancestors. A study published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences found genetic links between current tribal members and ancient inhabitants of the Bay Area. It used a type of genomic research that's only been developed over the last decade. For National Native News, I'm Megan Kamrick. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by the Gathering of Nations Powwow, a live event taking place April 29th and 30th on the powwow grounds of Expo New Mexico, featuring song, dance, trader's market, horse parade, and more. Tickets available at gatheringofnations.com and at the gates. Support for law and justice-related programming provided by Hobbs, Strauss, Dean & Walker, a national law firm dedicated to promoting and defending tribal rights for nearly 40 years. More information available at HobbsStrauss.com. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. Now let's take a look at today's regional news. The Sacramento Bee reports a suspect is in police custody in connection with Sunday's mass shooting in downtown Sacramento. The shooting, the deadliest in the history of California's capital city, left six dead and 12 others wounded near 10th and K Street. The Sacramento Police Department says officers arrested 26-year-old Dandre Martin as a related suspect shortly before noon today. He was booked into the Sacramento County Main Jail downtown on charges of assault with a deadly weapon and illegal firearms possession. Sunday, Police Chief Kathy Lester said that authorities confirmed there were multiple shooters. They have not specified how many suspects are still considered outstanding. The Sacramento Police Department news release states, As the investigation progressed, Sacramento Police Department SWAT and detectives served search warrants at three residences in the area. During the execution of the search warrants, at least one handgun was recovered. End quote. The news release also says investigators found three buildings and three vehicles that had been hit by gunfire and over a hundred expended shell casings at the scene. The department says it has received more than a hundred photo and video files sent by witnesses to the community evidence portal set up Sunday. The Union of Grass Valley reports a mother and son linked by authorities to the shooting of a dog were free on bond today. 66-year-old Robin Lorraine Wright and 30-year-old Matthew James Wright both of Grass Valley, each faced charges of cruelty to animals, grand theft of a dog, and conspiracy to commit a crime. The dog was rushed to the vet by its owners. Sunday was the start of National Library Week. The week, which celebrates the nation's libraries, library workers, and advocates library use and support, first began in 1958 with the help of the American Library Association. Beginning tomorrow, we'll hear a different story about a local library each day this week. These stories are original productions from KVMR's Youth News Corps reporters. Each high school reporter is a part of KVMR's Future of Journalism program, and we're proud to feature their reporting on our newscast. Now let's take a look at our regional weather. Today's cooler temperatures won't last. The National Weather Service forecasts warm temperatures Wednesday through Friday, with record highs possible Wednesday and Thursday for certain areas. Be aware of elevated fire weather conditions Tuesday and Wednesday. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight mostly clear with a low around 43. Tuesday, sunny with a high near 65. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight partly cloudy with a low around 33. Tuesday, sunny with a high near 58. 
The National Weather Service has issued a lake wind advisory for Lake Tahoe in effect until 10 p.m. this evening. Expect gusts up to 40 miles per hour, creating two to four foot waves. Small boats, kayaks, and paddleboards should remain off lake waters. Check lake conditions before heading out and prepare for sudden increases in winds and wave heights. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 50. Tomorrow, sunny with a high near 75 and gusts as high as 24 miles per hour. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Spring is here, and so is Sid Brown from the Sierra Gold Parks Foundation to take us on our bi-weekly A Walk in the Park. Stay tuned for the latest on Western Nevada County's three state parks. It's a beautiful springtime here in Nevada County at Empire Mine. The roses and the wildflowers in the formal gardens are budding out at Bridgeport and the Buttermilk Bend Trail down in the South Yuba River State Park is just busting out all over with gorgeous poppies and lupins and lace pods and fiddle neck and all kinds of gorgeous flowers. And the redbud is out, the dogwood is out, and it's just a really beautiful time of year to go out and enjoy the trails in our local parks. At Bridgeport, through May 8th, along the Buttermilk Bend Trail, we will have guided tours starting at 10 o'clock, so you can join a wildflower docent and get some additional information along this gentle trail, about two and a half miles out and back. Um, They meet at the Visitor Center at um, South Yuba River State Park at 17660 Pleasant Valley Road in Penn Valley, and that's down at Bridgeport with the newly reconstructed Bridgeport Bridge. At Empire Mine State Historic Park, we have some very um, beautiful and new events coming up in the month of April. Uh, April is Arts cultural and creativity, arts, culture, and creativity month. And so in honor of that, for every Saturday in April, we have some special um, activities at our local state parks. On April 2nd, we had Poetry in the Parks, and that was kind of co-sponsored with the California Poets in the Schools, Nevada County Community Library, Nevada County Arts Council, and Sierra Gold Parks. Foundation and California State Parks, where we had high school students that had been working with Nevada County's Poet Laureate and create some very beautiful and interesting and provocative and lovely works of poetry inspired at Empire Mine. And then the next few Saturdays, we have various activities. So um, on April 9th, Art in the Parks watercolor painting at Empire Mine, and that begins at 10 o'clock in the morning. Artists are encouraged to bring their watercolors and a stool and their materials and paint with our local artist, Jerry Ann Van Dyke, from 10 to 1 at Empire Mine on April 9th. We ask people to pre-register for this event. The only cost is your park entry, which is $5 per person. And you pre-register by emailing sierragoldparks 
at gmail.com to sign up. We are really excited about this special event. So that's Art in the Parks, Watercolor Painting at Empire Mine. And then we're going to also have watercolor painting down at Bridgeport the next Saturday. So plein air painting, same deal. Um, We ask people to pre-register in advance. Again, it's a free event. We ask that you bring your own materials water, sunscreen, hat, something to sit on. Um, And there's just some really beautiful scenes to paint and be inspired by. So that will be Saturday, April 16th. And that one we're meeting early in the morning, 8.30 in the morning for that. And then we're going to have a photo walk with Aaron Time from Nevada City's Outside Inn and In-Town Campground, who will lead a two-hour photo walk at Empire Mine State Historic Park. And that's Saturday, April 23rd, from 2 to 4. So again, we ask people to pre-register if possible. Sierra Gold Parks at gmail.com to sign up. And all this information is available on our Facebook page and on our website at sierragoldparksfoundation.org. Well, it being spring, there's a few things to point out besides these special art and cultural events, and that is that the trails are lined with abundant and robust poison oak, so I want people to be mindful of the very oily, toxic, annoying, rash-producing plants that are along the trails. So watch your animals, watch yourself, wear long sleeves, and wash up vigorously after your exposure to poison oak because it can be very bothersome. Stay tuned. Watch the uh, social media sites and the websites, and we do encourage your support for the Sierra Gold Parks Foundation and the activities that we're bringing to our community. Come out and enjoy us. Enjoy your parks, and um, we'll see you next time. That's our newscast for this Monday, April 4th. You can listen to the extended version of A Walk in the Park on our webpage, kvmr.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sid Brown sits on the board of the Sierra Gold Parks Foundation and joins us every other week with news and updates from Nevada County's three state parks. Learn more at sierragoldparksfoundation.org. KVMR gets support from Mountain Recreation, locally owned since 2000, offering seasonal outdoor adventure gear and apparel, also rentals with weekend kayak and paddleboards at Scott's Flat Lake, on East Main Street, Grass Valley, mtnrec.com, and Milkman Toner Company, providing local hometown service for network printers, copiers, and scanners, carrying remanufactured toner cartridges with printer support, Serving Northern California counties and San Francisco to Lake Tahoe. MilkmanCompany.com Keep it tuned to your community radio station at 6.30. It's Disability Wrap with co-hosts Carl Sigmund and Carly Pacheco. Then at 7, we have Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. Be sure to stop by tomorrow to hear original reporting from KVMR's Youth News Corps. 
These high school reporters are part of KVMR's Future of Journalism program, and we'll be bringing you their stories during the KVMR Evening News about local libraries this National Library Week. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for listening. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off.